Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Katrina Foe. Katrina is a second-generation Pilates instructor, owner of Personalized Pilates in Scottsdale, Arizona, and author of the book, Nutritional Pilates. After addressing her own cancer 100% naturally, Katrina knew she had to expand her way of looking at the body as a whole. She became board certified in holistic nutrition and trained to read functional labs. Now a certified metabolic approach to cancer practitioner, Katrina is faculty at Restorative Wellness Solutions where they address the root cause of why cancer was allowed to proliferate and how to put cancer into remission and work to educate clients on how to keep it there so they don't live in fear of recurrence. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Katrina, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carlfeld Center, who makes the show possible. Hi, Katrina. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I am really looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah. Hi, Haley. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to discuss all the, all the stuff, cancer and all the opportunities there. Yes. Well, you know, first I would just love to start off with your story of breast cancer and how you discovered it. And really at the time, were there any signs ahead of time? You know, because sometimes we don't really look at the signs, but there are signs. Yeah, that's a great question. So I had just had my fifth baby and was nursing him And he was about a year old and I had a mastitis. And after having five babies, I kind of had had this before I knew what I needed to do. And, you know, there was a huge lump and I just assumed it was the mastitis. And as the mastitis cleared up, the lump was still there. And I'm, I was not concerned about it. It was about the size of a golf ball, but, you know, a, a nursing mother's breast tissue, you know, shifts and fluctuates. My mother, however, was very concerned and my husband was concerned. So they were like, you need to get this checked out. And I'm like, whatever, it's fine. And I, I think in terms of symptoms at that point, I didn't have a whole lot of symptoms that were standing out to me. There was nothing that I would complain about, but again, I was postpartum. Everything was kind of up in the air and you know, what is, oh, that might be cancer. I mean, that kind of is an extreme place to go to when you're just feeling kind of because I just had a baby kind of thing. So 
looking back in hindsight, you know, now after I've seen the labs that we did at that time and I know more and I'm a practitioner now, I'm looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, there were signs, there were symptoms. I just didn't know what to look for. And again, you you had the postpartum stuff that made the whole thing a little foggier. I can so relate to that because I had a two-year-old at the time that I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and I was trying to get pregnant again. And so I was tired. I was bloated. So I thought maybe I, you know, it was just, maybe I was pregnant. And so, yeah, I mean, you could, you can miss some of these signs and symptoms for sure. Yeah. Who jumps to, oh, I must have cancer, you know, from things like that. It doesn't. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So tell me what you did next. I mean, you felt this lump and then what? Yeah. So after I found the lump, I, I was in kind of a unique position because I had seen enough in my life of the traditional oncology. And and I, I think there's a time and a place for that, but I didn't really want to go there. Um, I didn't want what they were offering. So I went a different route um, and took some different uh, tests that are no longer on the market to diagnose my cancer. And I was I was really shocked. I did not expect it to come back as a, yes, you have cancer and it's originating from your breast. And I'm like, what? It took me totally by surprise. And did you go to a functional doctor for that or, or a naturopathic doctor for those tests? No, I ordered them myself um, at the time. Well, I think one of them, I think I had to have ordered through somebody. I don't remember offhand who I ordered that from. But the as soon as I got the diagnosis, I was a little like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Like clearly something that I was doing was not working. Um, and we had already been on a health journey. My daughter had had some tooth decay and we had reversed it and stopped it with diet alone, which was amazing. So I was already sold on the like food is medicine idea. And I, I wanted to figure it out. But obviously, if I had cancer, like what I was doing currently, which was like a Weston Price diet, was not doing it. So I kind of threw everything out the window and was like, let's start over and let's dig in and look at both sides. You know, what are people saying? And I remember um, at the time, everyone was talking about raw vegan. And I'm like, really? That just doesn't go with what I know. I've, I've read and researched and I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to open up and listen and trust and, and research and all that good stuff. And so within a matter of weeks, I was down in Mexico at a Gerson-based clinic. And that was a really interesting experience because I, I ask a lot of questions. I'm a question asker. <laughs> And which probably you are too, if you're, you know, doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So I kept asking questions like, oh, why, why can we not have salt? Why, why can't we have any fat? Like, why are you putting me on thyroid medication without testing my thyroid? Like all this stuff. And finally, by day three, the director of the facility sat me down and he's like, okay, Katrina, you need to trust in this process. And, you know, you just need to let go and stop asking all these questions. I'm like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Like, this is my life. Why would I stop asking questions and trust you if you don't have any answers? Because they were getting annoyed because the questions I was asking, they didn't have answers for. And I read all the materials and there was nothing there. So basically I got kicked out of the cancer clinic. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So from there, I kind of felt like I was free falling. And this is the the space that I feel so much empathy for my clients now looking back because it's like, who do you trust? Everybody says different things and which one's right. And I was blessed to find a functional naturopath that did all the functional testing and helped me get on my path. But, you know, it's a very confusing situation out there. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hear so much information. And just like you said, I mean, some doctors say you need to go raw, you know, and others say you need to do keto and either you know, vegan, this, that. So it's just, it's very, very confusing. Yeah. The keto was really interesting because my sister, who is a Chinese medical uh, practitioner, she actually sent me some stuff about keto. And I remember, <laughs> I remember telling her like, no, that's dangerous. Like you're cutting a whole food category out. Like that can't be good. And I look back and I kind of giggle because I'm like, she was right on the money. And like for me and everybody is very different. It's a very bio-individual thing, but like the juicing looking back, like I was totally insulin resistant. That was like the kiss of death. That would have been terrible if I had stuck with that. It was just making me hypoglycemic. I was all over the place with my blood sugars and looking at the functional test, I was seeing it. And I'm like, Oh, I had no idea because when you're insulin resistant, you feel really good. You you don't feel bad. You don't have these bad symptoms of blood sugar dysregulation feels good because you got high blood sugar. And that was one of the things that, you know, I still struggle with my clients. I'm like trying to help them understand that you don't necessarily have symptoms of some of these things. Right. And and do you tell your clients to to wear a blood glucose monitor or what do you do? Yeah. So we do we do blood work at the beginning and then, you know, we'll work on individualizing their keto form for them. Um, and depending, we do, I use the keto mojo a lot in terms of getting their blood sugars and the ketones to see when they're specifically in ketosis and, you know, what is going to throw them out, what foods, what events, like a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, stressful things, I had a fight with my husband, my blood sugar went through the roof, you know, that kind of thing can also be playing into the, the mix, not just, I ate candy, you know, it's not just that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, certain fruits and that kind of stuff. And I hate for people to be afraid of fruit because there's so many phytonutrients and the berries and all that stuff. But I guess, like Dr. Nasha says, you you need to test. You have to test, don't guess. And the berries are fabulous. You know, unless you've got some kind of a personal issue with them, they can be a great source. They have the most fun things in them without messing your blood sugar up. So it's kind of a win-win. But Overall, like there's more nutrient density in things like the meat. Overall, you just really want to get the fibers, uh, which you get and all those phytonutrients, like you mentioned, you get all that from those low carb um, plants, you know, way better. It's, It's not something you have to eat all the fruits for. Yeah. And I'm curious how your family reacted when you decided, listen, I'm not going to do standard treatment. I want to do it natural because I know people get so scared, family members, especially. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing. And it's something I like to work with my clients on because for me, my immediate family, like they didn't skip a beat. They knew that this is, it, it wasn't even a question. They were all totally hundred percent on board. And my husband, um, when we were still doing the juicing stuff actually did a 20 day juice fast with me. 
it just, it was sweet. We were about to eat each other, but it was <laughs> sweet that he was on board. But outside of my immediate family was a different story. So my parents were crazy supportive, which I still, I'll probably tear up. My dad immediately, he was, he was the one that fronted the money for the Gearson clinic, which is super interesting because he, when he had cancer multiple times, he always addressed it as standard care. So the support and love of I know that this isn't the choice I would make, but I respect you and this is what you want and I will help you. I have goosebumps. Yeah, it it still touches my heart. My mom actually was the one that went down there with me. So I had that support. But outside of that, there were were quite a few people in my family as well as just my circle of friends that thought what I was doing was wrong and I was going to die and my kids were going to have no mother. And I was pretty vocal with sharing my journey, which I know a lot of people are very private. I'm a total extrovert. So I sent out an email. This was before I was big into social media, although I'm not huge into social media now, but just sharing what I was doing with everybody. I'm like, I have breast cancer. I'm addressing it naturally. I have a plan. I don't need your help, you know, not to be rude, but like I've got, you know, my thing. And I put this in there, which I think was key. I put if you don't agree with what I'm doing, please do not approach me with it. I don't want the negativity. I don't want that in my space. I need to be in a positive healing zone. And while I love you, I, w- I want that not in, in that space. And that was, I think, one of the best things I did on my journey. Um, and I highly recommend it to anyone on the journey because you like taking, trying to figure it out is one thing. And then implementing it's another, but having to do all that while you've got people that you love telling you you're wrong and you're going to kill yourself and stuff, it it just undermines the whole thing. And in the last year, I've had a lot of interesting uh, learning experiences, but one of the biggest one is the takeaway that cancer is a huge mental game. Like you've really got to make sure that you have everything, you know, on board to support the process in a, an emotional way that you can do. It's really, really important. Mm, such good advice. Yeah, because you're right. You could just let that bring you down when people are are telling you, you know, you're nuts. What are you doing? And all that. You have all these kids. Ah, So good for you. So you don't really know like what stage cancer you had, right? With those kind of tests. No, there wasn't a staging, which kind of freaks people out, but the staging really has more to do with how you're going to proceed in the standard of care track. And since I wasn't going through that, um, you know, I, I didn't go need to go down that path. I did have a, um, a large lump that appeared under my armpit while I was you know, at the beginning of my journey and it got larger and larger and it kind of freaked me out. And I, I don't know, intuitively, whatever, put some salve on it that we use for bumps and stuff. And it has a lot of plantain, which plantain does a lot of drawing. And it was the craziest thing. It started purging out. And I, I mean, it was a lot that came out right through my skin. It was crazy. So this was not a black salve. This was just like what I put on my kids when they have a cut. It was, you know, calendula, plantain, comfrey, moulin, like all those kinds of things. So I'm guessing it was not just stage one, but I don't know that for sure. You're right. Yeah. That's amazing that it, you you saw it come out. Oh my gosh. I mean, so it's like a liquid type thing? Yeah. It was like a pus. It was very crazy. Like a, you know, it's like a lymph, you know. And how often did you put that on? 
I put it on several times a day um, as it was clearing and it drained after I was probably less than a week and it it didn't come back. So pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you found a practitioner and you changed your diet to more keto. Um, And it's interesting because I had the same feeling about keto, Jenna. You know, you think about bacon and all the fatty processed meats and, and all that stuff, but it's, it's not really like that. No. And it's so funny because like growing up, I was the pickiest eater. I apologized to my mom many times, but like, I would pick the fat off the bacon. I would not, I would have everything dry with no sauces. Like I didn't like foods combining and stuff. And this is like so far outside of my comfort zone. And the way I eat now is so radically different. It's, it's just comical to me, but yeah, it was quite the adventure going keto and trying to figure out what in the world to eat and how to do it. And at the beginning, I relied on a lot of fat bombs to try to get enough fat in because I was like, I don't even know how to do this. And I've shifted over time as I've learned to incorporate more sauces and um, other ways of getting more fats in. So not having to rely quite so much on that. But it's been really interesting um, shifting. Um, and here's the cool part that is not related to cancer, but it was this gorgeous side benefit where I, I have had bipolar since I was a teenager. I actually did get multiple diagnoses. I was on heavy meds. I weaned myself off of the meds and had been white knuckling it for about 20 years, which anybody that has a diagnosis like that knows that that is not a fun life to live. And when I went keto, I started to notice after a few months that my symptoms were clearing up. Like mentally, I was not depressed. I wasn't having the fluctuations and the suicidal thoughts and things. Life was looking better. And it was interesting because I didn't really want to say anything because, you know, there'd been ebbs and flows in the past and I I didn't want to call it, you know, if I was wrong. But then my daughter, my husband was doing a um, devotional one night. It was around Thanksgiving and he was talking about, you know, being joyful in all circumstances. And he gave the example of some neighbors that had lost their house and the community had come together and like built them a new house and how it had been an even better house. And it was such a huge blessing. And my daughter pipes up and she goes, well, that's like mom's cancer. And we were just like, okay, what? I, I totally did not see where she was going with this. And neither did my husband. And he just gently says, well, what do you mean, honey? And she goes, well, if mom hadn't had cancer, she wouldn't have tried keto. And now she's happy. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. And so what I have, I've seen now after, you know, years and years on cancer, on keto is that it totally puts my bipolar in remission. And that's not something that's out there. Like diet can help with mental disorders and with other things besides cancer. And it's amazing the power of a food. Oh, I am so glad you mentioned that because you're right. It isn't talked about and gut brain connection is huge. Yeah. My body needed those fats. My body runs so much better on fats. And even though that wasn't what I was brought up with, it wasn't what was in my paradigm my body was like, oh, that's what we had always wanted. Thank you. Ah, so tell me, you know, what tests did you do to see if the cancer was going away? Uh, did you see it physically go away? Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Yes, I did. It was so cool. So as I was detoxing and everything, uh, I actually felt the tumor 
disappear. And it was kind of interesting because I had a friend who had breast cancer at the same time. And she was saying things like, oh, I can feel the tumor getting smaller. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, how do you feel like millimeters inside your breast tissue? Like, and it was doing this weird mental game. So finally I was just like, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to feel it and see if it's, I think it's bigger or smaller. And I, I went for probably like six months while I was actively cancering and didn't. And then finally, when I did, it was gone. It was like not there and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. I feel that difference. (laughs) So in terms of testing that we did now, back then compared to now, uh, there's so many cool new tests on the market. So what I use with my clients is quite different, but it's kind of a lot of the base, the same things. So blood work and stool tests and, you know, looking at the hormones, we use saliva, some genetic testing and things. Now, since then, I have gone back through my labs, which is super interesting. Um, My vitamin D was in the toilet. I was totally hypothyroid, just like a vanilla hypothyroid, not Hashimoto's. I... I had just like a whole bunch of stuff going on that I had no idea, like things I didn't feel, I didn't know. And fast forward, I have since done some additional work and realized that the tipping point was mold. So for me, we moved into the house about like a couple of months after I had that baby and I was nursing and everything. And during that time, we found a leak and my husband found that there was mold and he took it down to the studs and removed it all himself without any masks because we did not know anything. And it makes me so frustrated, but you know, I, had this was baby number five. I had had a lot of babies. My body was tired. I was genetically not in a great place to detox. And the mold was that, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. So my levels were out of control and I have since taken care of that, but it's really interesting because I didn't know that. I had no idea. I didn't know it, that mold was a bad thing at the time. Right. And I'm sure so many people have no idea. It's not discussed. And in the medical community, they they look at mold like it's not a real issue. Even though we know in the literature that it's a known carcinogen, driver of cancer, driver of Alzheimer's, all the stuff. And they just kind of dismiss it like it's not an issue and they don't, they don't treat it or address it at all, which is scary to me because I see so many clients. Most of my cancer clients have mold. So interesting. And and so what do you recommend they take if they have mold or is it different for everyone? It's, it's pretty different for everybody in terms of exact protocol. I look at like what strains of mold they have and you can choose the binders based on that and what's going to be most effective for that strain. Um, and then you also want to look at like how they're doing. If people are really, really mold sick, you know, they're, you want to go slower and some people can tolerate glutathione better than others. Um, so it's kind of a whole big picture, but overall, like the saunas, the saunas are so, so helpful for mold, which my doctor had gotten me on, not even knowing that I was a mold person. Um, coffee enemas are fantastic, not only to keep things exiting, but also to help, stimulate the detox processes and the production of your own glutathione. And then for me, the side benefit is that they put you into parasympathetic. And for me, as well as a lot of cancer clients, if not most, you know, we're kind of like sympathetic, Mm, go, go, go. Oh yeah. And so 
the chill out aspect, parasympathetic is really, really a nice benefit. We just got a sauna in no, no, actually November was our anniversary for our anniversary. It was in December that it came and I am just loving it. (laughs) It's the best. Oh, they're the best. They're so nice. And it's so great because you, yeah, it's an investment up front, but you get to just use as much as you want. I mean, ours gets plenty of use. (laughs) Oh, exactly. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting-edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarlfoldcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. What else would you say was on your protocol? I mean, of course, diet is is such a big factor, but Mm. there is so many things when it comes to cancer, right? The environment and the toxins, like you just mentioned, but what else? Yeah. So when I was actively cancering, I did a lot of different things like IV vitamin C. Um, I couldn't, my veins can't tolerate that well. So I did also a lot of oral vitamin C and high doses and such curcumin, uh, resveratrol, you know, all the the fun guys, as well as just supporting um, a lot of different areas of my body. Like, like I mentioned, my thyroid, my vitamin D, that was probably the craziest one. I was actually kind of pissed about that because I was really, really low. And I had been taking cod liver oil for like three or four years, like high doses every day. And I'm like, I I got that. Like, that's not my issue. (laughs) And it was. So I tried, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to double down on this because I want food as medicine. I did three syringes of it every day for three months and it didn't move at all. I'm like, are you kidding? Okay, let's back up. Let's. So I tried, I think five different of the best, most well-known best brands out there and nothing would move it. And I'm like, what in the world? Finally, I found this one on Amazon and it was like in a coconut capsule. And I don't know what drew me to it, but I ordered that and tried it. And I, when I retested after three months, I got back a a attachment that was a notice of approaching the levels of toxicity because I was at 125 and we did a happy dance because I was toxic. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I know. I wonder why your body just wasn't able to absorb the other ones. Yeah, it wasn't ready. It wasn't able. I have some genetic snips that I've I've discovered since then that it's it's hard for me. Um, I don't do well observing it from the sun. So again, the tests don't guess. If you had asked me, I would have sworn up and down. No, my vitamin D is fine. That's not my issue, but it, it was definitely an issue. 
Yeah. So I'm curious about these tests because, you know, a lot of listeners are wondering, are any of these covered by insurance? That's a great question. So um, the blood work is, it depends on the doctor and the insurance, like how much of all the markers they're going to cover because time and time again, I have people come to me and they're like, oh, I've got blood work. And I look at it and it's just a, you know, CBC and a, a metabolic panel. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a lot of markers but that's like maybe not even $10 worth of testing. It's kind of a joke. And it's not any of the really good, helpful markers. You know, I want to see their homocysteine. I want to see the hemoglobin A1C and insulin. You know, I want to see their their iron panel with ferritin. I want to see all the stuff, not just the basics. That will be covered with insurance for most people. Now, the other testing, like the stool testing and the saliva, urine kind of testing for hormones, the um, the toxin panels, especially like a lot of times those are not um, covered, although Samaritan Ministries um, does cover them for the members uh, that I've worked with. That's That's a separate issue. It's not technically insurance. So it can get kind of tricky. I don't know. I explain it to clients like this is an investment in your health. And even if it isn't covered, if this is what you need to do, like, does it really matter? I mean, people are doing GoFundMes all the time, you know, asking friends, you know, getting loans, funding, you know, payment plans, all those things are super available for most people nowadays, which is nice. That is, that is. And I agree because people, you know, they'll buy a certain bag or they'll get Starbucks coffee every day or whatever it is. But when it comes to their health, you know, sometimes not so willing. It's a weird thing. Um, and I see this in the Pilates world or, you know, health stuff where if things are not covered in insurance, people are like, oh, I can't do it. And I'm like, no, you can do it. We live in America. It's just not covered under your insurance. And that's a choice that you have to make based on what you feel is right for your body. And it's a beautiful thing that we have medical freedom that you get to choose. And I think we need to encourage people to take those options more seriously. And hopefully the insurance system will start listening to, you know, what we want. And that's a whole nother can of worms that I could go off on <laughs> for a long time. Oh, such a big issue. It's so true. It's And, and you know, even health co- coaching it should be covered by insurance. And and I know they talk about it and mm-hmm. supposedly they're working on it, but we'll see. We'll see. That's, that's a huge thing. And I definitely think because health coaches have a very important role in, you know, when the doctors only have, you know, 10, 15 minutes, they need more help and support to implement the changes that are actually going to change their life and turn things around, which is you know, if people don't get that, they're driving the the cost of healthcare through the roof. I mean, the numbers are insane of what some of these things that are preventable and reversible and you can totally mediate with diet are costing our country. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, these changes aren't easy. Someone could recommend to do all these things, but to implement them is another story. Yeah. So to have that support and have someone show you, you know, you could do this in little baby steps and make it a sustainable change. Yeah. Cancer is such a transformational experience. I know it was for me, for sure. How did cancer transform you? Oh, that's a great question. So, uh, so many different ways. So physically it transformed me and helped me heal from the bipolar. 
it, you know, gave me the understanding of what do I need to look at? Where are my weak spots that I need to watch ongoing? An interesting thing, my family has changed though, because of it, we really had to bond together because, you know, when mom's doing all the stuff, like it takes a lot of time. And like I said, that was baby number five. We had, you know, two more since then, but we work together as a team. One of the interesting things I found is that, you know, when I was actively cancering and dealing with all the detox and things like there was a lot of times where I was just like dead in the water. I was, I was laying on the couch, directing people with my words, like, and I had to relinquish control, which as a mom, you know, maybe some of y'all can identify, but like, I like to be in the kitchen with my kids and I like them in there to learn, but I'm still the one in control. I'm still the one doing the stuff. And with, with cancer, I got to the point where I couldn't. And I realized, oh my gosh, they can do so much more than I thought. Like, this is amazing. And it allowed them to step up and step into like who they could be in a much more profound way when I got out of the way, which was kind of weird. Like, I wouldn't have expected that kind of thing. Yeah. It, it gives them confidence. Yes. Yes. And now my kids, they all, I mean... I haven't cooked in years and this sounds terrible as a nutritionist, but they do hundred percent of the cooking and they love it and they take turns and they're like, Ooh, I want to try this recipe. And you know, they're cooking keto. They're not cooking just like, let's boil some water and make pasta. You know, they, they know how to cook, which is so exciting because now they have the tools to go out and live their best life and know like how to take care of themselves. So they don't end up like I did where, you know, I don't blame my mom. Uh, She was doing what the government was saying to do. We were eating low fat margarine and stuff. But at the same time, you know, there's better options and better information now that I want my kids to have and know what to do with. Right. It's, it's a ripple effect. Yes. That's so amazing that they know how to cook. I, I need to talk to you later to to (laughs) see how I have my boys and (laughs) they're not, well, one of them is really good with it. The other one, not so much, but you know, I know you've been a Pilates instructor for a very long time Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was curious, what are the benefits of Pilates for someone going through cancer? I know it's a lot of stretching, which to me seems like Great. I mean, I've done I've done mat Pilates. I've never done the ones with the machine. I've always wanted to. Oh, you got to get out the equipment. It's so much fun. It's like a playground for adults. It's so fabulous. Yeah. So there's a lot of benefits. It depends on the person's place in their cancer journey where Pilates can meet them. So if you have like, you know, you've done surgery, uh, there's going to be a lot of incisions, scar tissue, changes in the fascia you know, the rehab work that Pilates can do in a very beautiful way because um, you can customize it so precisely. And I would say, you know, the mat work is not the place at that point. You really need to be with um, a well-trained instructor that has access to all the equipment and stuff for that. Um, But that's a beautiful thing. Now, in terms of just in general, Pilates is very much about the circulation, which Back then, you know, Joe Pilates, who created it, was, you know, English was his second language. We didn't have that much information. You know, this was back in the 1930s and 40s and such. But what when you read through it, it really does a lot for the lymph. 
So getting the lymph to drain, getting the circulation going, you're getting the toxins out, which is very helpful. You know, we know that exercise in general is very great for keeping things moving bowel-wise to make sure that toxins get out as well. Pilates specifically, you know, it's considered a mind-body exercise and it's very, very grounding. So to really find that center, which usually when people are spinning out of control with cancer, that can be invaluable. But all that to say that you have to have somebody that's going to temper it appropriately to where you're at. Because if you're doing, you know, chemo, if you're doing radiation, if you're doing detox therapies or something, you know, it can be very intense and your adrenals might be very worn out to where you need to chill out and not exercise. You know, you may need to be doing a very gentle beginner form of Pilates, even though you can do advanced stuff because that's not what your body needs that day, you know, and that's where a good instructor on the equipment can really tailor it to where you're at and what you need. And it can be there. It was, it was really nice for me to have something that I could adjust the level of intensity so precisely to what I need. Hey, today I'm only doing five minutes. I'm just getting a, getting some movement and that's it versus I'm going to kick my butt. You know, it's, that's a totally different workout. Right. That's so good to know. Cause exercise is so important for survival rates yes. and recurrence. So uh, just to get a little in is so important. Yeah. And to let it flux during your journey, it it won't look the same at the beginning as in the middle as in you know the end. And I think that's a really important message because people are like, oh, I did, I need to do my exercise and check it off. And it's like, that may look different from day to day. You know, you need to listen to your body. And if it's tired, like maybe, maybe you take a nice walk instead you know, and it it doesn't need to be intense to get the benefits that you're talking about in terms of longevity. Yeah, such a good point. Now, I know you mentioned that you have a retreat and I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm so excited about the retreat. So basically I created what I've heard from my clients and what I would have wanted on my cancer journey. (laughs) So there's a very steep learning curve in the confusion of getting a diagnosis um, and knowing you want to do it alternatively, there's a really steep learning curve in the, uh, I did standard of care, but now what kind of place? And that's what we've really cultivated this for. So it's in Scottsdale at the end of April, and we'll be doing it other places to be announced, but it's a week. You're removing yourself from your daily life and focusing on learning all the stuff, trying all the stuff that you need to really get your healing. So we have everyone do the functional labs, the whole shabam beforehand, and we go over them with you and explain what they mean, what you need to know for you um, in that kind of a small group setting. So everything is geared around implementation. Uh, because that's the key. If it doesn't actually get done, what good are the labs? You know, if nothing changes. So every meal is a cooking class. You're in there hands-on. You're going to get to try all the saunas and enemas and using the Keto Moto Mojo so that you know how to use it, all the tools when you get home. And we're going to have a lot of fun because while I take cancer very seriously and there's a lot of science behind what we're doing, it doesn't have to be scary because one thing we know is that stress feeds cancer, stress drives cancer. So all the stress of all the typical 
you know, things that people are doing with cancer, we need to pull that out. That should not be part of the cancer journey. It needs to be like, let's de-stress you. Let's have, you know, keto mocktails by the poolside while we're getting non-toxic pedicures and learning about epigenetics. Uh, That's my thought. Why can't we do that? It sounds so great. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have so much fun, dance parties, all sorts of stuff to get you moving, Pilates, massages, all together there. So this is for people who have either gone through treatment and are looking to avoid recurrence, right? Or people that have gone the natural route. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. People that want to go the natural route or that, you know, want to address the root causes after standard of care. It's not for people that are like stage four, you know, like actively, you know, doing chemo and, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, It wouldn't be appropriate in a group environment to work on things at that point in time. But again, circle back around afterwards because then it would be later. Okay, perfect. And before we get into random round, I just want to ask, is there any last advice that you want to give our listeners? Yeah, the one thing I would tell people and I tell everybody that I talk to that I hear, you know, that wants to talk about cancer and stuff is that whatever journey you are on, like make sure that you go back and figure out what were the root cause drivers, what caused the cancer to be allowed to proliferate because our bodies were designed to take care of cancer. And if it wasn't allowed to be taken care of, why, you know, what was going on in the body? So figuring those out is really critical. You can't just get, make it be gone. It's not about the tumor. It's about the terrain and what was going on so that that way you not only get things in remission and calm down, but also, you know, what to keep your eye on in the future, you know, which labs to run, you know, where your weak spots are for you personally, because, and you don't have to live with that fear of like, Oh my goodness, is it coming back? I I feel a weird thing. Maybe that's it, you know, and that's, that's not life. You know, you want to be able to have that freedom. Yes, that is so true. And I know after I was finished with treatment, I was more scared than ever, you know, because all of a sudden it's like, okay, what do I do now? Exactly. Yeah. That is such, such good advice. Now, are you ready for random round? Yeah. Let's bring it on. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? For me, freedom is the ability to create the life that I want. So, you know, that looks different for me than for other people in terms of what I choose to do in activities and, and my following my passions. Um, you know, for me, I want to help other people find their freedom. That's where I get my joys by helping others. So whether it's, you know, helping them find a new career with the Pilates teacher training that we do, or, you know, helping my clients escape and find their freedom from cancer, like that's helping other people is my thing. Mm, love it. And that's the name of this podcast, The Cancer Liberation Project. So that's what it's all about. Exactly. (laughs) The last show you binged and loved. Okay. So my older kids and I just finished watching Bunheads. Um, I'm a a huge Gilmore Girls fan and I love the dry sense of humor. So we were really enjoying that with the dance mixed in. It was, it was lovely. (laughs) I'm like a little embarrassed, but there it is. We don't watch a lot of TV, but when you find a good one, right? Oh, yeah. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? Uh, For me, I 
tend to turn inwards and just really ground myself in truth. So, you know, what has God already done in my life? Like what has happened that I can stand firm on? And then thinking about like, that's going to continue into the future. This is, this is not what I need to be afraid of. Mm, Beautiful. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Okay. That one's totally easy. That would be Joe Pilates. I would love to actually get to talk to him and hear more about why he did what he did. I've, I've studied with a lot of the people that he trained, particularly Lolita San Miguel, who I worked with for a long time, but there's something different about like getting to the source and really discussing things with them. What is your favorite go-to snack? Okay. So first off, I try not to snack, but if I am going to snack, it's usually like uh, a good raw cheese or some crunchy nuts kind of thing. What is one simple thing that brings you joy? <laughs> okay. So after a long, hard day, I like to go inside and my kids and I turn on some Spotify and we have little dance parties. And that is just, that's my, my happy place. Oh, love that. What is on your nightstand? <laughs> About probably two or three dozen cancer books and health books. I, um, I'm a huge reader. I, I love to read and my family kind of jokes that I eat books instead of carbs. (laughs) So there, there's a lot there that are in queue. And this is probably obvious, but what's your favorite form of exercise? Or maybe I should say besides Pilates. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Pilates would be the first and I am just a devotee forever. Um, I love to ski and snowboard and I've been having so much fun teaching my kids. We've been doing a lot of that this year. So what is one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? Oh, that's a good one. So definitely it would be my family, my kids and my husband. They have been really supportive and encouraging. And this has been a very, just not a, a, a bad time in my life, but just a very intense time where we've been doing a lot of growth business-wise. And I just, I couldn't do it without them. Mm-hmm. And how can people find you and learn more? Yeah, so... My website, nutritionalpilates.com. On there, you can get a copy of my new book that's coming out. Uh, It's called Nutritional Pilates. So there it goes. And there's information about our Pilates teacher training program on there. The retreat information is on there. Working with us privately, me and my team is on there. I'm also on Instagram, at Katrina Foe, just my name. And then Facebook, Katrina Faux Pilates or Nutritional Pilates. So lots of ways. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Katrina, thank you so much. This was so valuable. And I have to say, I give you so much credit for having seven kids and doing everything you're doing. I, I just applaud you. Oh, thank you, Haley. They are, they're such a light in my life and I just love them so much. Couldn't do anything of this without them. So thank you so much. It was great getting to know you and talk with you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.